You're listening to The After Session with Philip Lewis. I'm a therapist based in Washington, D.C., and I hope to provide my perspective on work done throughout the therapeutic process. Some of what you'll hear will be interviews with other mental health professionals or former and current clients. In this case, these interviews are voluntary, not conditional to the status of a person presently in therapy, and those interviews are not considered a therapeutic session or a recommendation for forms of treatment. If you are interested in starting your therapeutic process or engaging in a protocol or technique referenced, please make sure you contact your mental health or medical provider. Thanks for listening. All right, so let's shift to shifting worlds. <laughs> episode yeah. two. Um, I listened to this. Um, I listened to this, and I think we've talked about this. This is the second one I called you about and talked to you about, and pretty much was like, I wish I could relate. I don't. I can't relate with not. And I, I pretty much you were saying the same thing. Like I. I want for everyone to be able to be like me, like just I'm gonna be my true authentic self, no matter what. And she would say like, yeah, that's much easier for, that's easier for more people than you think, or it's less easy for a lot of other people. You agreed and you kind of realized that, dang, yeah, it might, it might be hard for other people. Everybody doesn't have that same mental thought as me. And so I was on the same page, like, you know, I, I have really never checked myself as I'm talking to this person. Should I water myself down? So, so um, again, this isn't about me, but what I wanted to ask you concerning this episode was, do you feel like you are 100% authentically you with every single person you encounter, whether it be family, whether it be friends, coworkers, clients, patients, do you feel like can you honestly say that I'm 100% me all the time, no matter what, no matter what I'm talking to? No, no, <laughs> not equivocally. Um, I think I think my range of authenticity changes depending on the environment I'm in, depending on who I'm around, depending on who I'm loving. So for me, um, I think authenticity and boundaries kind of roll together. So in order for me to maintain a relationship with the love of my life, there might be some things that I need to adjust to. An adjustment may look like or may not always be me being the most authentic, but it's an adjustment in furtherance of a greater level of love or a greater level, a deeper um, deeper relationship or um, a greater exploration of love, right? So sometimes I moderate or adjust myself to get what I'm needing. And in that context, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, it's particularly when preserving relationships or allowing people to roll in their own way. I, I, I look at it this way. If I am adjusting myself and it's not detrimental or problematic, it's to a benefit, then I'm furthering my growth, I'm furthering my development, and this adjustment that I'm making is for my betterment. So a lot of times when um, sometimes we're adjusting or we're not showing up authentically is rooted for me, particularly for a very long time in anxiety or insecurity or things like that. When I'm adjusting myself at this point, I think it's more in furtherance of a goal or um, understanding a person more or moderating myself so that when someone can see things more clearly or can help with communication or being more communicative, all these type of things. So that's how I kind of look at it now. 
Now, I will say that I'm not always the most resilient and always the most confident and always have the most positive belief of myself. And when those moments come, I practice grace and unconditional positive self-regard. So that way, the next time, I'll be even more authentic. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> when you say you make these adjustments, do those adjustments come from internal? Are they internal or are these people telling you, bruh, you might, you might need to shit that I'm not, I'm not with that. I'm not with that at that point. Are you like, do you sit back and reflect like, okay, maybe I might change that or, or are you like, okay, you know what? Is it, it, does it ring like, okay, I did say I was going to work on that. And this person is now telling me and confirming that I need to work. So I'm going to work on that. Like, how does that work for you? Is it an internalized thing or is it someone projecting that? of seeing what they feel like will work for them in order to be in a continuous friendship, relationship, whatever with you. Right. Um, for me, it's both. So my motivation for change is like self-love. So when I go to the gym, I don't go to the gym and think, oh, I need abs or I need this. I quite literally have a mantra in my head. I'm doing this as a self act of self-love. I'm doing this because it helps me think clear. I'm doing this because it feels good. So some motivations for adjusting myself are purely for me. And then on a, a second, for your second portion, the, the part that's also included, you can't be a friend in my life if you don't force me to adjust at some point. And not for your benefit, but for my benefit. So my circle, my tribe have all challenged me in some way. And I've all, always had to look back and go back and double check and have, you know, some kind of uh, rhetoric or, or debate about it or, or uh, something to see if this is, needs to be cleared, adjusted, or fixed. And it's always in furtherance of improving ourselves, like for me and, and the folks around me. So on both parts, I would say would be true. I, I, I think I'm internally motivated. And then if you're in my lap at some point, you've called me or had a face-to-face -face and have said, hey, you need to check this, or I believe that this might be something you need to uh -huh. attend yourself to. Okay. How, how do you differentiate between I'm the Mack truck and move out of my way? I'm going to be mean no matter what. And then how do you say, okay, this is something I need to change when it's been working for you this whole way and it's been a protective or a a, 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 me a, a mechanism, a defense mechanism that right. makes you feel, makes you feel protected, makes you feel comfortable, but it doesn't make other people feel comfortable. When do you decide to make that adjustment if you make that adjustment? It will become problematic. It will be a red flag. So there are a lot of tools in the toolbox that we carry around with us for survival, for uh, getting a better life, for all of these things. But there comes a point, I believe, when we are in survival mode and we stop and realize we don't have to survive. And that that means things are becoming, our relationships might be deteriorating or our joy is now, you know, seeping out at the bottom and we no longer have it. Some people internalize it as something wrong with them when it really isn't. It's just a behavior or it's a way of living that we've carried with us for so long that we're, now we're stuck in the behavior. And mm -hmm. if we were to just change that behavior and detach our self-concept from it, then everything would be okay. So I truly believe that, yes, some of these things may be for protection or some of these things may be necessary at a time, but it'll become really evident later on in life when it is no longer necessary. Hopefully we have that drive where people who can check us 
or we have those internal motivators that make sure we, you know, center ourselves and actually look for what we need. But at the end of the day, we'll, I always believe you never go wrong if you bet on yourself. Because if you bet on yourself, all that means is I'm going to take ownership. I'm going to make a decision. And from that decision, I can just make more decisions. And that's it. And my life is going to be all about me exercising my power and control and making more decisions. I'm not going to be wrong. I'm not going to be stupid. I'm not going to be intentful. I'm going to learn a lot of lessons along the way. But I'm always going to exercise my power and I'm always going to bet on myself. And in that case, I will never lose. Very inspiring. Good job. <laughs> okay, moving on to episode three. It's supposed to hurt. Let me first say, and I and I believe I said this to you before, but I just feel like anytime I feel the need to say this to you, I'm going to say I don't care how many times mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But as I'm, you know, listening to your your podcast and reading your articles, and I just can't feel more proud of you as a black man as someone who is related to me like we share the same blood like i share the same blood with you like i'm so proud that we share the same mother like i ain't trying to but i feel like i don't say i don't say this stuff enough like i've gone through a lot of my life where i was expecting people to give me accolades like i'm gonna be the i'm gonna try to be the fastest runner i'm gonna do the best hair i'm gonna do have the best outfit i want i love being noticed mm-hmm. and sometimes i forget that i'm the only one that likes to feel noticed and i have i have been intentional about if i think something say it mm-hmm. especially if it's a positive thing especially if it's an encouraging thing so as I'm this, as I've been more engulfed in your world, even leaving DC, I'm still, you know, I'm still there. I feel like I'm still there, but it's just like because I'm, I'm just. This is the most time being out of school is giving me so much freedom. <laughs> like I've been able to sit down and listen, relax with my headphones out, and listen to your podcast, and really like not while I'm driving, like literally just taking everything. And I'm just like, yo, I am so proud of this man. I am so happy like he could have had any other sister but i'm sister and i'm with i'm cool i'm so glad i love you so much and i'm just like you are so inspiring it it just i thought i thought i was the golden child the way that you speak the and the way that the words flow out of your mouth, I was like, God, you're so you're so intelligent. But and I'm related to him. Like, yeah, that's my that's my brother. You feel me? Like I share you on Facebook. Like, this is my brother. But okay, like I'm so over the top, overwhelmed with love and support for you. You are truly amazing. And um I'm a again. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a Mulan, but I just need. To, I just need to tell you that. And it's crazy sure. that. Absolutely, and it's it's crazy because. I can never really find the words, to just truly and transparently say what it is I want to say to you. Like I feel like everything that I'm saying to you is like cliche. It's been said before, but I'm just like. It's I always appreciated. <laughs> it's always appreciated. 
I I hope I hope so. I hope that you really like this ain't no this ain't no oh let me just say it like I really just want you to know that you are you are amazing. You're an amazing person and I'm glad I've gotten the the opportunity to watch you grow. Which leads me to this young sir in episode three. Like my heart <laughs> my heart literally like there was literally a lump in my throat. Like my heart swelled because I can feel the appreciation. I can feel the adoration that this sir has for you and the impact that you've made in his life. Like with so opposite from episode one, totally. And it may be different related the relationships as it, I don't know if one was a client and one was not or one isn't, I don't remember. But when this man speaks about you and what you did and what you've done and the things that you brought him through and the things that you that he was he was gonna try because of you, it's like it this you're doing you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. You are following what you're supposed to be doing. You are standing in your purpose. And not too many people can say that. Like people are people are legit wandering this earth, not knowing where to be placed, what to do with their lives, what to do with the decisions they made. Like you are where you are supposed to be, and just hearing this man talk about you, like I'm like, I'm glad. I'm so glad y'all connected. I'm so glad that you were able to help him in the way that you have and it, it gave me the warm and fuzzy so i would just i'm just like let that. me just let me just say real quick because he <laughs> said a lot but i often say and this has kind of been my ml for the last couple of weeks or so and my clients will be like he said that today and and i i wholeheartedly believe it that it has nothing to do with me like i am here I am the hammer in the toolbox, but you don't get full use of the hammer unless you pick it up and hit the nail. So a lot of folks come in and they it, they don't do the work, don't follow up. Their motivation is not um, to pour into themselves. And while someone has that motivation to pour in themselves, I release, like I just move out the way. I am in the car, they are driving and I'm holding the map and they choose whether they want to go left, right, back, forth, Wherever we go on the journey, I'm alone for the ride. So I always say that when my folks come in, I'm never going to work harder. Than you. That is not my MO. It used to be when uh -huh. I first started as a therapist, I was trying to save everybody. Now you need to save yourself. I am here. I am. I'm going to get down in the trench with you. We're both going to dig this dirt, but I'm not going to be digging harder than you. So I definitely want to say that that brother, he uh, definitely loved himself so much that he made the progress. Yeah. I was just here to help him. I was just along the journey. Well, I'm glad you're there um, to facilitate those type things because there's some people that just be there physically like you were and not do the things and not help in the way that you exactly. helped. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that it was you because he looked like he probably deeply needed you. Like he was at his wits end about whatever he I was I needed him too. I need my one. I always yeah. develop and grow and learn so much from everybody I interact with, which is why there's some people who walk into my office and I say, this isn't going to be a good fit on the first meeting. 
I say that uh-huh. very, you know, very quickly because I follow my emotion just like I encourage everybody else to. Uh-huh. Face the feeling and then what the work that comes from that is the work that comes from that. Um, so I, I think, you know, all honor is, is due to the, to that brother. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just honored that, uh, or I'm thankful that I was able to, to see and be a part of it. Awesome. So, uh, even as a business owner myself, I, in a completely different industry, when you get those significant moments of affirmation and validation, it's the most encouraging feeling in life to me. For sure. When, when people give you your flowers while you're still here, so to speak, do you truly take it in and, and bask in the ambiance of it <laughs> when you're, when you're alone in your car after the session or even in the moment? Or does it feel like a new realization every time? Like, dang, I didn't know I was being that impactful. I'm going to take this as confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. I, I, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Very interesting because when you were just giving me all those compliments a little bit ago, I was like, say something back. You can't just sit here and let her compliment you for this long time, blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and then my inner child like, no, you need this. This is a part of your healing. Let your big sister give you your flower. I think that is different. When it's a client, I always hear, or I sometimes hear these things in session, and then I do the same thing. Nope, it's you. You're doing the work. We're in this together. Um, you know, thank yourself. And I think a part of me definitely truly believes that because I know for sure that nothing would have happened unless they cared out themselves unless they poverty mm-hmm. So on those days, I don't think I can't quite recognize it, but interestingly enough, when there's like a rupture in therapy or like I'm pushing someone um, past their limits emotionally or not past the limits, but to a different level of their emotional limitations um, and they leave without saying anything, I will text a team or I'll text Natasha or I'll text a friend and be like, I'm on fire. <laughs> and I'll give myself, you know, that. so in the moments where I really like, um, give those flowers or whatnot, it's, it's often like not said, I just see it. And, uh-huh. see it. and then having that come back person come back and be like, you know what you, you left, I left here kind of pissed last time, but it all settled and made sense. And it's like, I'm ripping a muscle and it's being rebuilt in this week or this month, things have been drastically different. And just hearing that. It's kind of my oh. right? So, yeah. I hope that answers okay. Yes. Do you, does it come at you as, oh, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't know that. Or do you know, like, you like, I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. I knew that. Was I knew oh, no, 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 no. There's some times, in, there's some times in session where someone will be like, wait, I didn't write that down. Can you say that again? And I'll look at them like, what did I just say? Oh, my God, no. So sometimes it, I have to call it, I get these downloads, I get downloads from some, from, from above, from the, the father, from whoever, from, you know, in our religion or whatnot. Um, and, and there are times where they're being like, oh man, I really, and, or they'll come back in and say something you said last week really resonated with me and felt, and, and it changed, shifted everything this way. And I'm like, can you tell me what that was or write that down or give me feedback on that or. Whatever it was. So, no, not all the time. All right. So, 
um he did he just did really good. I love I love hearing yeah. him. Right. I love listening to him. Yeah. He is very well versed. Like his words just even in explaining things is just like, oh how was he? Like I I I love to listen to every minute of it. Um I love this to you too, but this was a this was a breath of fresh air. Yes, considering he always Yeah. So this question comes from the "Ask for What You Need" portion mm-hmm. of "It's Supposed to Hurt." I don't know if you remember. Oh, well, I remember, remember asking. I, that's okay. my slogan. Yeah. <laughs> and you you were explaining to him why you purposely dismissed his wins. His went like he was happy about something, and then you mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, that's great. So let's work on like mm-hmm. <laughs> let's work on what she said last week. And he was like, that, well, then hey, like you kind of move forward, and they're like, are you trying to upset me? Like I, I was in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Why are you bringing up last? <laughs> I was happy about this. Why are you bringing up last week? And um, I wanted to ask you when you you know. You you tell people to ask for what they need, and I get that. We've talked about it uh, in our you know personal conversation. You talk asking for what you need. Mm-hmm. I get that, but also a p- part of me feels like it's just good for somebody just to recognize what it. It, it just feels me feel as for me not to have to say nothing. For me not to have to just be like, okay, can you just for someone to view me, see me. Mm-hmm. Love me, care for me, support me, and be like, and just give me what I need. I know, mm-hmm. I know that it, I know that it might be far, but there's people that really are in tune with other people. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, what feels better to you, or what speaks to you the most when you tell someone, "Man, I really need someone, some words of encouragement right now," or "Dang, I could really use a hug," and then they do it out of your request, or Someone picking up your mood, you're silent yet apparent cries for these for these things. And because they're so in tune with supporting you and caring for you, they genuinely execute these things without you even asking. They just show up and just embrace you. Mm-hmm. They call you out of nowhere and be like, you know what? I just want you to know that you're important to me. Like you your work that you're doing is necessary. Like the hard work that you're going through, if there's a purpose to it, like how life changing your presence has been in their life, like what speaks to you the most? To me, this is gonna sound crazy. They're one in the same. Really? They're one, they're one in the same. So, and I just wrote about this, but you haven't seen it yet because I'm not. I think uh, on Thursday I wrote about uh, relationships, love, and sex. And I break it down to the three ways asking for what you need will get you. One of those is um, one one thing, I think it's number two, I can't remember, is uh, teaching, right? I ask for what I need and someone shows me or tells me that they can't give it to me and now I get to teach them. If I have not asked for what I need or if I don't create an environment where people will know clearly what I'm needing, there's no way that they'll actually show up and know that intuitively. The only way for them to study me, to know my emotion, to show up and give me the hug without me asking is if they've been around for a significant amount of time. 
And we have now learned each other so much that we don't need to. And a part of that learning that we don't need to is by clearly stating it. Because I could sit in my office, and I have this a few times, I can sit in my office and subconsciously raise an eyebrow. And some people will take that as me being rude or me being um, standoffish or judging them. And some people will take that as me understanding or being more inquisitive or I have a question and they'll stop and say, what's your question? Right. And people who say, what's your question or what are your thoughts? Hurry up and tell me. I have a client that's like, oh, I can tell that you have something that you and you, you know, whatever. Then that's when my eyebrows raise, right? And the folks who just met me might be the folks that um, might think it's disrespectful or I'm judging them or I have this negative thought. The difference uh-huh. between the two is we talk about it. Um, what my body language looks like, what I might be needing to support them as a therapist, what they might be needing for me to support them as a patient, and it's clearly communicated. So that's why I say it's one and the same. The more you ask, the more people will show up the way they want you want them to, or you can teach them to show up the way you want them to. And then that the becomes this ripple effect in your life where now you have all this love pouring in whether you ask for it or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because even still, say, I give my husband, like, and he, he loves to ask me what I want. He's out. What would he like me? What would I like him to bring home for food? Because he knows I'm here. And if I'm here with the girls, I can't. I mean, I can, but who really wants to just put two kids in a car to go get something right. to eat? So we do the same. We know we do the same thing, but he does it the most. Um, and it's crazy because when I get Chipotle, like I texted him when he left for church, he left for church and he was like, Hey, do you want me to bring you something back? Or you want to text me later when you feel like you want to get, I'm like, I'll text you later. So then I got hungry and I'm like, okay, church is almost out. Like, Hey, Hey babe, can we have Chipotle today? He's like, yep. Sure thing. And he was like, same, same order. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you know what the same order is? Mm-hmm. And he listed it down. I'm like, okay. That's literally, like, I, was like, I am so impressed you said it. I told him that. He wanted mm-hmm. he wouldn't have known that. Or or I I would keep saying it. And I, I get what you're saying where it's one and the same. And I literally got the same reaction at or I gave him the same reaction. As if he, I never told him a thing, and he just, just automatically felt my vibe, just like you know, I think you're feeling big, I and and not and I just that that rings clear because I literally there was I was literally and genuinely impressed that even though I've gave him my Chipotle order 10, 15, 20 times that we've been together, he can recall it. And it, it, it's still impressive. It's still impressive to me. Like so, I was so happy <laughs> that he did, he did it. So I'm going to change my answer just a little bit. So when I first answered, um, I think I was thinking more of my therapeutic hat. Um, so now I'm going to answer it like on a personal, personal level. Um, okay. Still and these same. questions are for personal. Just go. I got you. I got you. I'm they are for proud. Not talking unless I say specifically. <laughs> I'm catching it. I'm catching it. Well, I just caught that on this one. I caught that in this one. So for me, because, and I'm going to go off track, but I'm going to bring it back. Okay. I believe in a certain level, and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to coin this. 
but I talked about it in uh, Motivation Over Obligation. I believe in a certain level of selfishness or healthy narcissism, right? And for me, because of my life walk and my insecurities in the boxes that the world put me in, and I told myself I also had to be in all of these things that culminate into the person you see before you today, right? All of those things kind of left me with this like tender spot or this this thought and aspect that I might not be good enough. I don't I can't tell you. I can't pinpoint it on one thing. But I know the thing that does addresses it and has the most significant um, impact on my emotion is me opening up my mouth, unequivocally knowing that the thing I'm going to ask for, I'm going to get it. And it may not come from this person right here. It may come somewhere else. But I know that I am good enough and I know that I am lovable enough that anything I ask will be given to me on an emotional level, right? In some form, some capacity. I just right. have to open up my mouth and trust and believe that I am worth it, right? right. So for me, asking and then getting it is kind of like the emotional draw in my personal life because for a very long time, I didn't operate that way. Believing that I was someone who was good enough to get what I wanted when I asked. And I believe that comes from, again, this healthy narcissism, because there are two things that I always say in, in, ther in therapy. We are hardwired for connection and we are hardwired for self-preservation. Those two things we need. If I give away all my food, I will wither away and die. Like on a human basic level, mm -hmm. the body functions in a way that it'll shut down organs, send blood to the brain. All of these things that our bodies are uh, biologically created to do to self-preserve. Same thing. We have to, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. And it's the same thing for our emotions, for connection. We have to cling to another person or another thing to create more purpose, to be, create more joy, or we will die emotionally. So at some point, I have to sit back and think about myself. I have to sit back and think about my needs. And a very powerful thing for me is knowing, analyzing, dissecting myself, and then giving myself the power to create and ask and manifest all of the things that I'm feeling that I want. Awesome. Awesome. And I then and as you spoke about uh obligation versus motivation, let's let's, let's head that okay. way. Let's get, let's get there. <laughs> um so this was definitely this is a good one too. This was good. Um when I read when I read the title, right, I, I had this preconceived notion of what this was going to be mm -hmm. so in my head in my head i'm thinking about uh, me as a mother like yes i'm obligated to do things for my children because i had these kids. Mm -hmm. i had them with a partner of course i created them they grew in my belly and they're here i'm obligated mm -hmm. to take care of them but there are days where mm -hmm. i would prefer <laughs> to lay in my bed and sleep. Thank God Almighty that I have my husband who understands that she needs rest. Right. And that's the thing that I struggle with because I'm always like, no, I can't. Okay, no, I can't. No, it would be good. It would feel good to not have to do this, but I said I was going to do it. I said I was going to do it, so I'm going to do it. And, and I'll dismiss, completely dismiss what my body is telling me to do what I said I was going to do because I want to be the honorable person. I don't want to be that person that someone is counting on and then the last minute 
now someone's life or situation has to be re to be modified because I didn't do something that I said I was gonna do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I struggle with being selfish because I feel like that is a selfish ordeal to to say I'm going to show up for you to me. Mm-hmm. And I hear and I've heard those conversations and I've heard you saying that it's okay, you know, to be uh you say mean, I decided to take me. I I just gotta take care of me right now. I am yet not comfortable with letting, feeling like letting someone down because I said, and I feel, I feel like when people, when people hear me say, I'm going to do something, they believe it. They hold on to it because NK does not lie. NK does, NK shows up. So when I put that presence out there, I kind of like, dang, why, why can't it be like people who just be like, nah, Okay, I'm doing they like that has to be very freaking. So, like, you know, at some point, not to be negative or anything, the mind and the body break down. Uh-huh. There will come a point if I keep going and going and going and not taking the day to sleep or do whatever, my body will force me to. I have back pain, knee pain. Uh-huh. I won't be able to get out of bed, migraine, whatever it might be. My body will slap me in the, you know, slap me back <laughs> down and let me know that I need to take a break. Emotionally, the same thing will happen. We'll have all of a sudden wake up in the morning and not know why we feel like crying. Or we just get anxious really quickly while, you know, cooking breakfast or something like that. It's because all of this stuff is piling up and we're not having it. And the only way, this is going to sound cliche, but the only way for us to truly show up for people is to take a break. We will just like a car that runs out of gas at some point if you keep driving it will stall out and it will stop and you have to refuel there's nothing you can do to not make this happen it is the same for people secondly like for an example you text me i oh no you didn't text me i saw online your graduation and stuff and i texted and i said i'm so sorry to make it blah blah you responded and said i knew you were you told me as soon as i asked you that you had something new or you were out of the country at the time for military stuff and you weren't going to make it. You're just not remembering time zones because you oh. and, and in that example, that's a perfect example how I don't believe, or at least you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe my siblings don't think I won't show up. Oh. Why? Because I have always said when I can and when I can't. Uh-huh. Because I say that I can't, I can always make sure that I can when I say that I can't. Right. So if you know, if you've heard from me that I'm going to be there, there's no doubt in the mind that I'm going to be there because I take the time because I make sure that I can sleep or get to work or whatever it is to be there when I say I'm going to be there. I would not have the capacity to be that kind of brother if I didn't take a moment to say, actually, this time I can't. Yeah. And it's crazy. I remember times when you said, I, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be. And you showed up anyway. I'm like, <laughs> Yep. So I get that, and that's and that's how I I do take pride in people trusting me and people having faith in me that I know that I can count on NK because she's she doesn't she doesn't. There's been times I'm like, yo, I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it, and that's only because I got something else to do. It ain't because I got a rest. It ain't because I'm right. tired. Like, oh dang, I got client. I can't even I can't even do it. And I need to. I've I've told myself. Going forward, 
what would relieve that pressure of lust, I gotta be there, I said I was, I gotta do it, is in the beginning, set it up from the beginning. Hey, I wanna be there. That sounds like an amazing thing, but I don't wanna tell you yes right now. But if I can make it, I will be there. If I, I send my love, I send my, you know, good vibes, good energy, but I don't want to say yes and it's not going to be that. And I, I am working, I'm still working on having that conversation because I just, I just want to be a people pleaser. I, and I find myself doing that. Like, I just want to be a blessing to everyone that I possibly can. And it's like, I, I get, so well, that's what I thought this whole obligation versus motivation is because I do feel obligated to do things and I put that obligation on myself. It's not from other people. I, I place that on myself and I go hard and I wear myself out because of things I have said I was going to do. So when I started listening, when I was listening to your, um, you guys talk, I was like, oh, that went, that went a different way. <laughs> it wasn't talking about not. It's all about the self. It is all about itself. <laughs> Healthy narcissism. I don't know what I'm gonna call it, but it's definitely about the self. Yes. And I and I just said this in therapy today. Like someone was like, Oh, I wanna be a positive impact for everybody around me. The only way we are be a positive impact around for everyone around us is if we realize that we are the source of impact. And it will have a ripple effect on everything around us. If we're hypervigilant, we're trying to make sure we're doing all this or stressing ourselves out, all it's going to do is create anxiety, create depression, create ruptures in relationships, and it will be become problematic in some way, some form. At, at the end of the day, you have to take a moment and think about yourself. And I am the center in my little world or my universe or my tribe with my people. And if I pour into myself, it's going to have a positive ripple effect with their own, everyone around. So when... You guys discuss obligation versus motivation. Um, he did speak on a part of his motive, a lot, a big part of his motivation or obligation was his mother and how his mother would feel about his his uh, decisions. So I think when he was saying he was saying his mom really speaks very highly of him, mm-hmm. and that motivates him to maybe. If I'm if I'm understanding or recalling correctly, that motivates him to live up to what she thinks of him. That's his motivation to be better. That's why he has to get better because mm-hmm. he wants he's motivated to become who his mom says that he is or who he she sees that he is. And the obligation, I think he said he could never ever end his end his life because of what that would do to his mother he's obligated to be here because he doesn't want to hurt his mom he he, she's do so much that he will not do that to her so to kind of change the change the the um the focus i am interested to know what part of your work this work therapy just being etc is obligation and what is motivation? If or is it all? <laughs> is it all obligation or is it all motivation? It's Tell all. me about it. 
It is all. And, I, and I've been writing about this and I can't determine if it's going to be in the book or if I'm going to put it in a blog or anything. But at some point, I'm writing a letter to all of my patients. And I'm going to very uh, clearly distinguish how they have, have actually been saving me this whole time. Right. So um, I do like in his example, I feel the same way about our mother. Right. Uh, no, I'm here for her. She's done so much, all of these things. But I also still feel the same way about myself because okay. for a very long time, if I was just seeing myself through the eyes of other people, that led to me living a purposeless life or what felt like a purposeless life because it wasn't for me. When I remember myself, right, and, and live and, and want hope and, and to motivate and, and accomplish so much or whatever it is or just do things because they feel good, then every day I get up and it's just like, oh, I know why today is happening and why this interaction is happening. And I'm moving through the world with such a different sense of purpose and I carry myself differently because I'm also in tandem of remembering all the loved ones that got me here and why I'm uh-huh. still here. Uh-huh. I am the loved one too who's got me here. Right. Who will keep me here. Right. So. Um, when it comes to my patients and those I work with, it is the same thing. And it goes back to my original statement. There are some folks who come and sit on this couch and I just say, you know, I try my best and maybe someone will report my license. I don't know. I try my best to give them what they need. Uh-huh. But if I don't see a reflection of something that I have worked on or currently working on right now, like uh-huh. it's, it doesn't quite stick. And for a lot of my patients, they think, uh, you know, that I have all the answers. Or, and I say this all the time. What happens in this 45 minutes of time we have, you might think that I have it all together, but I will never tell you something or to do something that I haven't done. And the reason why I have done it is because I've somehow been in the same place. So if I talk about tapping, breathing, psilocybin, EMDR, anything, right, uh-huh. I have done it. And some of it has worked, some of it has not, some of it I have just been exploring to just explore, but there's a reason why I've dived into all of these things and I've experienced all of them. I can't have someone sit on my couch and discuss or get into something I've never experienced. I might have to go back and learn it. I might have mm-hmm. to force myself to experience it in order if I can support them, or if I don't have the time or the space or the emotional currency or capacity, I let them know that they'd be better served with another clinician. Gotcha. So you said all this obligation and motivation. So do you do you feel like because we we clearly separate it here, obligation versus motiva- motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then would you say it it's all it all ties when it comes to you and what you're doing and your purpose, mm-hmm. it's all tied together. Yeah, because in my mind, me finding a way to obligate myself to something is just a different form of motivation. Because there are some people who can wake up and have the energy and want to do all the 10 things or whatever. And I think the people who set the alarm and set it across the room when they wake up in the morning or the people who, I, like I always say, that I have to leave my boxing gloves in the office because I know if I go home without them, I won't get up in time to make it to the gym to go to my boxing class, right? Mm-hmm. So if I do things like that, to me, that means I really probably care a little bit more <laughs> about myself because I have the capacity to show up when I have the energy and still show up when I don't because of the obligation. So Mm -hmm. for me, an obligation is just a a more hard, uh, you know, um, way to maintain the motivation. 
or get to motivate or get to motivation when I will fall short. I'm human. I'm going to burn out. I won't have energy. I won't have the mental capacity. And now I have set some parameters in place to, to make sure I get to where I want to go regardless. Okay. Awesome. What you see is what you get. In this session, you stated that you wish you could teach your therapist EMDR. Um, if that could happen, it would be, in other words, in my words, life-changing for you. You will be able to do and undo so many things. Have you approached her about this potential scenario? <laughs> no, not, not, not directly. <laughs> I hope she didn't. <laughs> One sec, let me collect myself. <laughs> I'm told that she doesn't listen and take this as a play or anything like that because with my work with my therapist, um, I have been able, I believe, to still meet the same goals and, and things that, that I want just in a different way. Now, when it comes to EMDR, it's just I'm very impatient, right? So I know doing the same thing over and over again will create a new neural pathway, and then I'll have a better way to respond. EMDR in the moment, it feels like from my experience and from what I see with my clients and the research, that neural pathway is being created in real time, right? So we can change behaviors walking out of the office in most cases, in some cases, right? And I'm not going to say that I've only had one client who really came in and had panic attacks on Friday and was back to work on Monday and had been having panic attacks for like a year, right? Mm. And work, have been out of work for eight months. So that experience has happened. But others, you know, two, three, 10 sessions, I've never been done more than 12. Um, and there are just some things, of course, with my healthy narcissism that I know that I want to, I want to stop eating before, after eight o'clock at I know for that if I get into some good <laughs> that'll change. However, is it detrimental to my life? No, I can practice resiliency. Right. I can practice obligation over my motivation to do things and I haven't been. And I've been, you know, doing what I need to do to make sure I'm healthy and can see my nieces twenty years from now when they graduate and have their babies and all of these things. Okay. So so in that aspect, that's why so I've never really said it. I mean, I I have said it, but I haven't proposed to teach you. I was just like, Man, I should send you my slides that I used to teach. Or, you know, like, you know, the sack and I'm so mad like that. And, and then we just joke about it and keep moving and we'll, we'll talk in process, whatever I came to work on in that session. Okay. I, I get that. I feel that. But we just, we just spoke about asking for what you need. Right. And I understand that either way, whether you get it or not, she's going to help you in a way. She, so, you're going to get there. You're going to so, get there. So now you're forcing me to be honest. Okay. You know. Yeah, that's what I fear for people. People, okay. I'm here for you. Everybody listening. I'm here for you. I'm just having right. questions. And so here, here is also a piece of it. Those who come in and do EMDR with me are extremely brave. And I always commend them because you really don't know what will come up. Well, you do know. You have control. You can stop talking or you can say, I don't want to process this. But... Oh. I really don't know what will come up from my subconscious when I really tap into it. Um, and because I'm still very insecure in some aspect, and um, because I still only trust myself at this walk and mode, <laughs> like I trust, I have a level of capacity to trust everybody, right? Um, but true unequivocal trust has not been built yet. Uh -huh. So, or, and, excuse me, 
it has been built. I trust my pick because there are some things like we talk about that if, you know, yeah. So anyway, I trust my therapist. However, I'm still learning that I have a certain level of anxiety when it comes to self-exploration. And that is normal and that is natural. And I love myself anyway because of it, because it also has made sure I maintain and it made sure that I'm here in the station of life where I'm supposed to be exactly today. Tomorrow, that might be different. Tomorrow, that level of anxiety may decrease and it does decrease over time. But the second aspect of that, other than like not teaching or not asking, is there's an immense amount of anxiety around figuring out who I will be once I really unpack everything. That's and that, that's the that's the journey of self-exploration. That's, and that's why I love my clients, my, my patients. Because they come in here week after week and they're diving into the depths of themselves and they're taking that risk and they are exploring themselves more and along the way they get to love themselves more deeper and deeper. Their true selves, the true selves that they're realizing that they are. Exactly, and that encourages me like every time. Sometimes I, in between, that's why my sessions end so that way I can get 10 minutes in between. Because quite literally, in a happy way, don't let this sound like it's sad or uh-huh. I literally sometimes I will like have to pick up the phone or call someone or just sit on the couch and cry because uh-huh. it is so beautiful just seeing someone really learn something about themselves and throw it on the table and then say, I accept it and I love it anyway. And this is what I'm going to do. And it just moves me every day. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you for being real. Thank you for keeping more honey. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> All right, so Mother Africa, <laughs> as a black woman, I will say that this was reliving experiences. Like, mind you, people are our little sister. She she listened. I just haven't had the time until now. She told me her thoughts, and pretty much every thought that she had I had I no, I didn't cry because I'm a G or whatever. But <laughs> you don't have to be but go ahead. <laughs> um, you spoke to parts of my life that I regret I had to experience. And uh, this these are parts of my life that I've actually had talks with my husband about. Like where we while we're pillow talking and something comes up and I actually have I've actually trust him with my past life. I was, I talked about these things and he, I can see that he's enraged and he just feels like, I hate that that happened to you. And, um, shout out to my husband. He's a whole different breed. Like he has definitely grown and I, I couldn't, that's another, I'm sorry. That's another episode. Anywho, um, when we talk about how America, the world has used and tried over and over again to use a Africa for all its resources, for all its good things, for all its amazing things. And when you make that correlation between black women in Africa, it's just like, wow, why do we allow, because I'm like, I'm too smart for this. Like I look back and I'm, like, I'm too smart for that. Why did I allow him and this is a, this is a very transparent moment that I'm about to have right now. Okay. And I, I, I actually talked to you about it um, when I was there. 
but it just goes to show you that when I lost my virginity in college, freshman year in college, okay? And this is a person who I just, I he looked great. He was on, on the track team. Pretty much everything I wanted, except for a man of God, <laughs> except for someone that truly knew God and was saved. But I was like, I'll work on him. I'll get him there. I'll work on him. I will fix that. And um, for whatever reason, he showed me this some this type of attention that I was just like, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. And I let my guard down because I went, I mean, 18 years and, and not having just saving myself. It's just like, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So for this man to be able to let, to, to allow me to let my guard down in a way that gave him something that I've been working so my whole life up until that point. 18 years that made me feel special that I was able to brag about because I know of many 18-year-olds who had already lost their virginity at 12 or 13 or 50. So I felt very accomplished at that point. And for him to make me trust him in a way that allowed me to give him that gem, that thing that made me feel, that set me apart, that made me feel special. And after it's all said and done, I'm like, oh, he's going to... We about to get married because I gave him something that no one he he never experienced. This person, a person that he's dealt with, never being touched by another person, never being um, th- that flower still there. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my head as I'm laying down next to him in our in his dorm room, and I'm just like, you know, you know, like I mean, great decision. <laughs> like he's gonna, he's I. This is gonna be great. And for him to be like, you know, kind of like, you separated me from him a little, like kind of as I'm trying to cuddle with him. And I'm just like, okay, this energy is changing. I don't know what this is about. And I'm like, so what's next? Like, you know, so we're together. And he's like, no. So I would be completely honest with you. Oh, I, I just wanted to feel what it felt like to have sex with a virgin. That's why we did this. Mm-hmm. I, my bad, I don't, I don't know if she was really thinking that we was gonna go further with this, but I expressed before and I just wanna see what it felt like. Hearing that as an 18 year old stepping into adulthood, now life changing because now I am no longer what I was. I was no longer the, what, the, the, the black woman that was set apart amongst the other 18 year olds that she's around, all her friends or family members or whatnot, to hear that and like to feel so used, to feel so broken. I was already broke. First of all, I was already broken. But that type that type of brokenness to feel to feel happy about something, to feel like, yeah, I know I made a bad decision, but it's gonna be okay because it's for the right reason mind it's gonna be great it's gonna be wonderful to to be hyped up to think that this person truly and absolutely adores you because that's how they've been treating you up until this point only to say oh it was just an experiment because that's that's what i heard <laughs> what mm-hmm. they were like i it was just an experiment i i got what i needed now i can check that off from my bucket list that I have had sex with a virgin. So um, you want to like head out 
or like you want to stay here because I'm about to go get ready to hang out with my whatever his friends or whatnot. I, and I couldn't even say nothing. Know what to say in that moment? There was nothing that I could say that could take back that moment that I could be like, "Nah, you don't deserve this." He got it. He had it. It's and I know that there's so many boyfriends before him that was way more deserving than him, and he wasn't even my boyfriend. This was me doing an act that in hopes would make him my boyfriend and then further make him my fiance and then make him my husband and then make him the father of my kids that that's how far ahead i was thinking because i felt like i had something so special that there's no way he's gonna let me go there's no way that he's gonna dismiss me and it happened and when you when you talked about when you talked about being used up, Africa being used up for the resource, and then when you're done, that's exactly how I felt. And that's and there's so many women that probably feel the same way. Women in general, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I guess my question, my first question, or my question to you would be, have you ever encountered a black president, a black man, a, a black presence that had you had was comfortable with using up black women or using up women in general but let's let's focus on black women. have you uh, ever encountered a man and were you able to to be like what are you because you you feel when i hear your voice you are very adamant about how you mm -hmm. feel about what you are honest and transparent about your fellow black men and what they've been doing. Are, have you been able to verbally, if if you ever come in contact with a man that did that? Right, right. So so I want to step back a second and say that this is a theoretical concept that I have. This, um, some okay. things that I've come across in clinical practice and some things that I've come across in, in my personal life. So I'm not okay. saying this is like what's really happening, and I do understand that just on a basic level, I think because of the way or the place we are in our society now, people use people in general, beyond race, beyond sex, beyond beyond all these things. Now in my personal life and in my practice, I see certain things or maybe my subconscious picks up on a lot of things that says that this is a red flag. So most definitely I have found black, white, Spanish, his, uh, Hispanic, Latinx, um, Asian, uh, all, all of it using each other. But I have, I think, a visceral response or a more of an emotional, not more of an emotional, but um, what rises to the surface for me is the things that are happening in my environment that I have a direct correlation. Mother is black. I am black. My child is more black. My, all the women I grew up with it, in a house full of black women, right? So... Mm -hmm. I have grown up to protect this establishment that I've built around myself because if I don't, I would not be the person that I am. Right. Right. No right. possibility. So for me, because it has a direct ripple effect on me and all my closest friends and all my sisters that are beyond blood and all my God kids and all of these people and uh, all of these people are multi uh, you know, multicultural in my life, but the ones that raised me, right, look like me. So I am definitely going to kick some doors in when I see this type of stuff. 
And again, maybe I'm internalizing it. I am allowed to be human. Mm-hmm. But I definitely have seen people who look like me do it to other people and women and men and things like that. And I have seen across uh, races. I have people in the government who are, you know, at certain levels in the GS system and they're the only one that looks like them and they get all the work that's going to have a tertiary impact or negative impact on how people's going to respond to them. Uh-huh. So there's some stuff, tough stuff going on and you are a strong black woman. So you're going to carry that tough stuff and you're going to catch all the heat that comes to you with it. And you're going to be my buffer. Of uh-huh. course, that may not be what's happening. That may not be the intent of those people, but that is what I see. And that is just how I see it. So I always say, I always say something. I always call it because the less, the, the less I speak up, the more I'll see. The more I speak up, the less I will see. So that is when I kind of operate. I'm glad. I'm glad you stick up for us and you call it how you see it. Because it's getting out of hand. It's, It's getting out of hand. I try. Uh, and again, I question myself every morning when I'm calling this person, when I'm leaning on this person for emotional support, am I treating, am I giving them what they are giving? And as long as we all, beyond race or sex, worry about that when we are taking, are we giving? I think the world would be a better place. I agree. Thank you so much for this opportunity, sir. I appreciate you pouring into me and taking your time to spend it with me. It means the world. I, it really does. Like, I love you. I don't say that. I don't say that. I don't. You don't, but I'm glad to hear it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it feels good to hear it because, yeah, everybody, I feel like everybody just needs that. And yeah. even myself, as hard, as hard as I am, it feels good to know and hear that someone loves you for real, for real. Well, well thanks so much for being here. Be good to yourself. You too. You too, sir. Talk to you later. You've been listening to the After Session with Philip Lewis. I hope this time has been beneficial to you in some way. If you like some of the topics discussed, you can visit lewiscounseling.org and click on the After Session. Or follow me on Instagram at the After Session underscore. This podcast has been produced by Logan Wesley. You can follow Logan at onelawmusic.com or on Instagram at the number one L-A-W underscore music. Be good to yourself.